and welcome to the When Wrestlers Act podcast. I'm John Cronshaw and I'm back with Colin Cox for our first review of 2016. Hello, Colin. Hello, John. How are you? Hello, John. Yay! <laughs> Continuing that rubbish gimmick. I've got one thing to say to you, Colin. Yes. Let's get ready to review, ready to rumble! Oh, I'm more than ready. Did you like that? Uh, what, the film, or...? Oh, well, my intro, let's just uh, review that first. I, I was quite well, pleased with that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a three on the stool chart. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Spoiler we've just... Spoiler alert, the stool chart is going to be out in force. Yeah, <laughs> well, we, we've we've just watched Ready to Rumble, starring... Go on, Colin. I've, I've, I've actually printed out a, a list. A list of wrestlers, Go OK, on. yeah. Read them out. Yeah, paper, everything... <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page as the main wrestling baddie. Goldberg, Sting, Bam Bam Bigelow, Randy Savage, Booker T, Sid Vicious, Juventud Guerrero. Even two. That's what I said. Kurt Hennig, Disco Inferno, Billy Kidman, Conan, Chris Canyon. As the stunt double of Oliver Platt, oh. Rey Mysterio Jr., Perry Saturn, Prince Lockea, Van Hammer, Gorgeous George, Sugar Hain- Shane Helms, before he was Hurricane. Oh, apparently John Cena is an uncredited cameo because no one had heard of him in 2000 when this was made. Oh, and of course, it had former WCW champion David Arquay. Yep. Oh my god, this film was a pile of shit. Well, this oh, is, this I... is interesting. The uh, you say you say that. But... Sorry, I've, I've got to continue with the list. <laughs> oh god! Uh, announcers: Michael Buffer, who's in every film that's got anything WCW related. Mean Gene Oakland. Tonga Shivani, Mike Tangay, referees <laughs> Billy Silverman, and that referee who never gets old, Charles Robinson. You know, you know, there's a painting going old in someone's attic of Charles Robinson. <laughs> oh, you bellend! <laughs> <laughs> this film, John. Yeah, yeah. It well, was it was written by um, the very inaptly named Stephen <laughs> Brill. <laughs> I've um, written a list of um, the other films that he's written. Two of them made profit, not by much. The ones that made profit were Mighty Ducks and Mighty Ducks 2. Pig in the City. Pig in the City, yeah. Then he wrote Mighty Ducks 3. Lost in New York, yeah. Lost in New York. Heavyweights. Before this pile of cum that we're about to watch, (laughs) Little Nicky... (laughs) Then he wrote this film. Sorry, can I stop you? Little Nicky might be <laughs> the worst film that's ever made. And I hope to God it doesn't have a wrestler in because I think that might make me explode if we have to watch Walk that of shame. These are this all... guy's career was a walk of shame, Colin. <laughs> How does he keep getting work? <laughs> walk of shame was released 2014. Oh I know God. there was a big gap of 14 years between this and Walk of Shame, but... You know, did people take a look at his script and think, well, it's a good script, but look at his background. Yes, he's going to make us millions of dollars. 
Oh, maybe maybe it was a bit like the producers where they wanted a bit of a uh, you know a bit of a write off in terms of. I, I reckon <laughs> that's what it is. It must be a conspiracy. He's. Um, I think in his um, list of films that he's lost getting on for fifty million dollars combined with all the films that he's made and released and everything. It might even be more than that. Wow. So that's a lot more than you've lost on film. Like you've you've not made anything on films, but you've not lost anything either. You know? No, no. I think it's worse. Probably I, mean, to I, lose. I was once um, I was once um, an extra in a film, and I got lots of free drinks for it. Yeah, yeah. That stuff you did on that webcam doesn't count, Colin. So yeah. look, he still gave me the free drinks. <laughs> no, I refer to my. Um, Extra as uh, bopping up and down during a Joy Division gig in 24-hour party people. It was filmed in a nightclub now closed. Yeah. Cool. I, I got three free drinks for it. Ooh. Well, aren't you great? Aren't I, you wonderful? Mr. I, film star. I got the most expensive drinks I could with those vouchers. <laughs> Mr. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Hollywood in Manchester. So, this film... Hang on. I need to get a point out here. Okay. Right. We... <clears throat> Basically doing this because we've had conflicting <laughs> recommendations. Um, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer newsletter said to us on Twitter that this was the worst film. And SoCal Val... The lovely SoCal Val. ...said that this was the best film starring wrestlers. But what did she say the worst film was? The Wrestler. <sighs> she She's factually incorrect. I on, think on this. maybe she got them the wrong way round. I think she got them the wrong way round too. She said she didn't like the wrestler because of its negative portrayal of wrestling. Mm. She must have got it the wrong way round because <laughs> this this was a negative portrayal of wrestling. This made wrestlers out to be geeks. It made wrestling fans out to be geeks. It made the viewers out to be geeks. Yeah, I don't know who who this <laughs> film was for. Who was this film for, Colin? Apart from SoCal Val, obviously. Obviously. Um, it was some vanity project for WCW, I guess. Yeah, now I think it was. And then they went out of business a year later. Yeah, that is uh, that is a fact. <laughs> but, you know, SoCal Val, she's lovely. She can say whatever she wants. The thing about this film... That struck me. I thought you got to say the thing about SoCal Val. No, no. I mean, you know, <laughs> whatever. The thing about this film is, I've got a feeling that if you picked up the box of this DVD, it would say that it's a comedy. I think it was meant to be a comedy. There wasn't one. No, no. Okay, I lie. There was one funny line in this entire film. I've completely forgotten it. The funny line in the film was when. The I think it was Gordy or Sean, one of the two lads, the one that was meant to be a police person. Yeah, it was um, Gordy. Yeah, and he he said about following your dream, you need to follow your dreams. And oh, Gordy yeah. Gordy's dad says, "Well, Charles Manson followed his dream, and Joseph Stalin, and Michael Bolton, and look what happened there." Mm. So that was good. I like I like the fact that he was equating Michael Bolton with a mass killer and a uh, dictator slash instigator of mass killings. Yeah, it didn't do it for me. No? No. Nah, it's because of your awareness of history. You need to... <laughs> <laughs> you 
you'd have got that. You're obviously this is a thing that that joke was obviously not um, put to the audience. This was intended for, which is thixicals, yeah, who don't understand things like I don't know how to structure stories. Have you ever seen how to do scripts, how to write jokes, how to make something funny? Yeah, how to make something entertaining. Have you ever seen the very bad film starring um, Adam Sandler? Um, (laughs) Which one? (laughs) That's like uh, the very. Have you ever seen that film where Roland McGowan's hot? Uh, Which one? Um, The the film of which I was referring before you spot my very good joke was. Happy Gilmore, where he's an angry golf player. I've not seen that film. Well, it's one of those films that tries too hard to be funny and what comes out is just... Um, it's it's a classic one and a seven on a stool chart. A classic? Yes, it sums up one so you, and seven. So you, uh, uh, you say a classic, we, we've had one of those unprecedented <laughs> one and a sevens. And you can't keep falling back on them, Colin. This, one, this one's not going to get a one and a seven. Trust me on that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but it's just one of those films where, you know, it thinks it's hilarious. And it's just not. It's shit. The jokes exist. But just the fact that they exist doesn't make them funny. Mm. You know, it's a bit like saying, um, Doctor, Doctor, I feel like a pair of curtains... Doctor says, pull yourself together. The Joker exists. <laughs> That's pretty good. I it's like it. not at all. Is it like, what's uh, what's grey, got four legs, big ears and a trunk, a mouse going on holiday? See, that's, that's reasonably funny. It's good, isn't it? It's, just, it's a good swerve. I was trying to work that out. Uh, how, how do you get a clown off a swing? Do tell. Hit him in the face with an axe. Yeah, but... You know, that would probably land you in prison for a few years. Yeah. So why would you do that? For a joke. What's pink and hard in the mornings? A penis. The Financial Times crossword. Yeah. Need we go on? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've I've run out of my best jokes (laughs) now, I'm afraid. So, yeah, let's let's, uh, stop. (laughs) So this film... Um, two sewage workers. Um, they're both geeky wrestling fans. Um, go and see a, an episode of, or was it a house show? It was an, no, it was an episode of Nitro getting filmed. Yeah, yeah. and it's got the King Jimmy King, or whatever he's called. Did he remind you of Damien Sando? Yes, he did. Only fat. Yeah, like a fat Damien. And Sando. without charisma, Damien Sandow's got a lot of charisma. Yeah. But this guy... It, so fat, depressed. Fat, depressed, uncharismatic <laughs> Damien Sandow. Uh, they go watch this film, um, having revealed themselves as sewage work in this film. Yeah, this film, Joe. They go, they go watch this wrestling show, having revealed themselves to us, the viewing public, that they're sewage workers. Well, kind of Portaloo... loo suppliers. Emptiers and yeah. suppliers. Um... Jimmy King is this fat, untalented wrestler who apparently has, like, a John Cena-esque quality where people hate him apart from the kids and those who pay their money to see him. And he's undefeated. And he's undefeated. And then um, he's in a title match with DDP and uh, DDP basically shoots on him, kicks the crap out of him, 
all um, his mates come in, Bam Bam Bigelow picks him up and he gives him a diamond cutter out of nowhere off Bam Bam Bigelow's shoulders. And then wins the title and the king is sacked. Yeah. So, then Gordy and Sean, um, who are geeky wrestling fans, decide that they want to get the king back into his business. They do a bit of poking round and they find out that he's basically a bit of a shit, this person, and they don't care because he's the king. Yeah, they meet his wife, his ex-wife, I think. Or yeah. Well, she she hasn't he's seen current, him for... His current estranged wife. Yeah, she hasn't seen him for two years. And he go, she goes, he left me two years ago. He left me with an itchy crotch. Have you ever had crabs? That was that was the joke. Then then she said, would you like to see them? And one of them says, cool. And the other one says, it's all right, I've got this. And that's apparently the joke. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and then they go on a bus with nuns. Yeah. And um, they get the nuns singing... Um, some song about the devil by Van Halen, which is funny because they're nuns. Yeah. The only time a nun is funny is in um, Blues Brothers. What about Sister Act? No. Because there's the one with the funny voice. What? Whoopi Goldberg? No, she wasn't a nun. She was Sister Mary Clarence. Okay. But she, she, if you remember, she witnessed a murder in Reno... And was uh, sent to the nunnery to basically hide out under a witness protection program while the trial was being put together. So a bit like um, a little bit like nuns on the run, only they stole some money and hid out in a nunnery. Yeah, a little bit, but, okay. but different. And not starring a fat Scottish man and a washed-up Monty Python actor. So basically, they've got to this town and they find a kid at an arcade playing on a wrestling game. And they talk to him and go, oh, the king's the best. And he's like, yeah, the king's the best. And then he goes, um, do you know where? Do you know how we can find him? And he's like, yeah, I know. And he goes to his computer and looks on the internet. And it's great because even though it's in 2000, it's like they're playing on uh, like 1996 version of the internet. That video game that the guy was playing as well looks a bit like Pit Fighter, yeah. I noticed. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, Pretty, pretty bad looking. Yeah. So the he went onto a, a website called Hackers Place, <laughs> and the website happened to have the address of um, Jimmy the King. Yeah, actually, we've um, we've leapt a little bit here because this is how they end up getting to ah, the, all right, the well, crotchy woman's place. Well, but can... that's that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's how they <laughs> get to that bit. Yeah, and. Um, you also when yeah so there we go so and also we missed out when when they were at the house with the crotchy woman they also met up with um, the son yeah who had big braces on his teeth called Frank I want yeah. to say and he was basically just this big fat kid yeah yeah and he was completely meaningless yeah so back on the road and they tracked down Jimmy. The king and he's dressed in drag in a caravan, in a trailer. Yes. Why is he dressed in drag? Because he's um, disguising himself so that people who he owes money to doesn't catch up with him. Right. Did he shave his beard? No. Was he a convincing woman? Well, 
given the list of my um, <laughs> conquests. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was not convincing. Right. He, um, no, and he throws a whiskey bottle out of them, at, at them out of the window, and they offer to pay him for his time. And long story short, they give him $30 and he gives them five minutes. I wish we could have the same deal with the person who made this film. We watch it for five minutes, they give us $30. Yeah. Maybe that's how the film lost so much money. Yeah. They stopped doing it now. Yeah. So um, they, they did that. And what did they find out? They found out that... <clears throat> The, that he's gonna he's gonna do it. He's gonna go back and confront the. Um, well, they talk him into it. Yeah, go back to the arena and find out. Yeah, basically, goes to the next episode of Nitro and use his rematch clause to basically pin Diamond Dallas Page and win his title back. Yes. So they go back to an arena and perv on lots of women. Yeah, they've got they've got Jimmy King hidden in one of their porter potties as well. Yeah, but yeah, they just stand there at the ladies' dressing room at the door with the door open. The Nitro <clears throat> girls in their underwear. The Nitro girls in their underwear, and Rose McGowan in her underwear. No, she's not at that point. No. She just walks along afterwards. Oh. And she's the one who catches them. I mean, she oh. she can be in your nogging, but oh. yeah, just stick with that. Yeah, I'll do. Um, but the thing is, I have been to nightclubs and I've seen people getting the shit kicked out of them for doing similar things off bouncers mm. because that's what bouncers do. They were just stood there. You know, that's a... Let's, let's say for the sake of argument, John, I was round here one time your wife says, right, I'm just going for a bath, and I just stand there watching her. <laughs> you wouldn't be very happy, would you? No, I don't think I would. <laughs> yeah, so they, they just stand there, and then they go, oh, what, what are you looking at? Your breasts? I mean, I'm looking at the pipes. And the music was great. Kept playing music, didn't they? There's music that goes... Yeah. Yeah, lit. Played some Kid Rock. Couple some, of times, some House of Pains. Yeah, I think I heard a bit of Cypress Hill in there as well. You did. Yeah, it was fine. It was there. <sighs> <laughs> so, moving swiftly on, what happens next? Um, there, is, well, basically, the plan. Oh yeah, the ambush. The ambush. Place. Yeah. And for some reason, this person who seems to be the promoter slash general manager. Um, he ambushes DDP, hits him with a toilet a few times, well, toilet seat a few times, knocks him out, um, and manages to fend off his um, buddies at the same time and pins him in the back and, you know, believes that he's just won WCW title again. I mean, this makes as much sense as any WCW storyline. Yeah. Certainly around this point as well. So, <laughs> then um, the promoter comes along and says, no, that doesn't count. Um, and fair enough. Sinclair. <laughs> yeah. 
Fair enough, because he's fired this man from the company. Yeah, he fired the man from the company. It's it's not a sanctioned match. Yeah, it's not in a wrestling ring. He's yeah. just ambushed him from a toilet and pinned him. <laughs> he's basically assaulted the guy and gone. Ah, oh, I want your championship. So he says, um, "I will give you a match, and if you win, I will give you a million dollars and the WCW title." Why? If you lose. You will never wrestle again. I think he says you'll never wrestle again and you'll be dead. And you'll, well, possibly. <laughs> but that just seems like, you know, if somebody said that to me, I'd say, fair enough, I'll take my chances. Yeah, yeah. I've never wrestled dollars. before. I don't mind having the WCW title. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose at this period anyone could dream well, of it. Let's segue into who gets a WCW title at this period, given who, given the promotion for this film. Yeah. Who wins a WCW title, John? Was I think Mr. Cox Arquette. It was um, David Courtney Cox Arquette, yes. Yeah. He wins the WCW title. <laughs> Can you just let that <laughs> sink into your head, John? Yeah, he that's, wins. That's fine. The WCW title Didn't, doesn't matter. Just, I want you to um, just stretch that bit out a little bit when just, I say it. Just I want five seconds of dead air at that point. Just a soap opera doesn't matter. <laughs> Whatever. Who cares? I care. It's an out of business company. Whatever. No, it's just things like that. They <laughs> they put me on till just because <laughs> it gets me thinking. It's because you're a mark. People though. people getting paid to write that. And I earn 17 grand a year as a civil servant. Yeah. So, yeah, back as a civil servant now, eh, Colin? Um, hopefully, by the time this goes on air, I will be. Yeah. It, the department I'll be working for just takes forever to um, get these things going, but we shall see. Cool. And I'm writing my novel, so there we go. I like your novel You'd like- way of trying to tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'll see myself out. Wanker. <laughs> um, where were we? Yeah, yeah. So the... The offer has been laid. Yeah. They, for some reason, go and have drinks with people and um, seem to be partying down with um, WCW wrestlers. And Rose McGowan. And she stomps along and um, she seems impressed by... Whatever it's called, Gordy. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck's called Gordy? I thought Colin was a stupid name. <laughs> Maybe it's short for Gordon. Who the fuck's called Gordon? I thought Colin was a stupid name. Anyway. The uh, express train <laughs> off of the Thomas the Tank Engine. And Gordon Burns, who used to present Krypton Factor. Yeah, Gordon the Gopher. Yeah, but he suits it. What? Better, it's better than Gary the Gopher. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I think Gilbert the Gopher would have been better. But I suppose no. it was Gilbert the Alien, wasn't there? So. Yeah. yeah, at the same time. And that's that's just too whimsical. No, Gordon's all right for the golfer. Anyway, um, for some reason, this um, Rose McGowan lady seems to be interested in um, Gordon. They get talking and everything, and off she goes. And I think he probably goes off and has a wank or something. As you would. As you would. <laughs> um, Can I just say, we, this is like the second thing we've seen her in for yeah. this podcast. And isn't she an attractive young lady? She's a lovely young lady. A lovely 43-year-old lady. Not, not at this point, she wasn't. She no. Was probably, what, in her 20s? 
She's 42 now. This was 16... Well, mid twenty. Um, yeah, about 28 here. Right. Yeah, like she's that. lovely. Yeah. Uh, onwards and upwards, Jan. We're nearly there. <laughs> um, so they decide to... Do you want to finish the podcast and I'm just going to go and have a uh, look at some pictures of Rose McGowan? They decide to get um, Jimmy the King some training. They first approach um, his former tag team partner. Who is it, Colin? It's Goldberg. William Goldberg. Oh, yeah. Stone Cold. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Goldberg. <laughs> and um, he's, you know, basically saying he's a washed-up person. Why would I want anything to do with? Yes, he's my friend, but... I. Business, that, all that sort of thing. He once vomited me on me in a match. Well, you know, you once vomited on me, John. Did I? Yeah, it's just, you stabbed him. Ah, uh, oh well. That's, uh. <laughs> you don't remember much about that night, do you? <laughs> I remember I was in stocks. That was uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was a great, a great S and M club <laughs> in the middle of the country. Yeah. I remember you running off to try and tip a cow. We digress. We do. Um, they find this old guy who looks like a even more washed up, <laughs> even even deader Christopher Lee. He is a bit of a stew heart person. He can make people tap just by looking at them or mm. just touching them. He knows how to put people in ridiculous holds and things like that. He gives them a bit of training, gets kicked in the head, goes down. Everyone's worried about him because he's an old man, but he's playing old possum. Ah. And uh, he's saying the kick was good, but a possum is not dead until you scrape it up off the um, tarmac or whatever they say in America. Why, wise words. Wise words. Is this is this a bit now where um, Gordy gets to Rose McGowan's house and she's got loads of arty pictures of herself yeah. around her house of her? <clears throat> and he gives her bananas because the flower guy had closed for the night. Which, fair enough. It's yeah. a bit like in the life and times of Tim when he gives his missus a cactus yeah. and shoves it in her face. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, you know, this is one of those films where you get particularly pissed off because the very attractive young lady ends up having sexual intercourse with probably the geekiest person in the entire film. It's More... nerd wish fulfilment, Colin. That's all it is. There's a whole market for it. Yeah. It's like... I don't know, if you've ever read the book Ready Player One by Ernst Klein. In fact, his follow-up Armada is just wish fulfilment for geeks. It's <laughs> just the worst. Yeah, but the way um, they end up doing the deed is um, she stands up and says, so, show me some moves. So he gives her a snap mare. And, um, oh, why don't we take this to the bedroom? She straddles him, takes off her dress. Unfortunately, you don't see any of Rose McGowan's boobies. But um, then... Foreign objects. Foreign objects. That was the line, wasn't it? That was the line. And then he goes, Ah! Foreign objects! And then clobbers her. Then you find out in the next scene, they actually did have sex because he tells his dad so and they seem to be an item after that. And she's wearing this um, very smart, bright pink figure-hugging woolen dress, and she looks good in that. Yes, she does. Yes. I think we're on agreement. It sounds like the sort of dress (laughs) that wouldn't work, but it's so tight and clingy, it does. Yeah. Sid Vicious and Perry Satin 
go and attack um, Sal, the um, wrestling trainer. Both get beaten up for a while, but then um, numbers count and Sal ends up in hospital. To cut a long story short, it was Rose McGowan who instigated it. Yeah. So, ooh, she's playing him as a chump. Yeah, and they overheard her on the phone talking to the evil promoter guy. Yes. Play, played by the bald guy who turns heel in The Matrix. He's just evil, isn't he? Yes. He well, you know, it's got that voice and that moustache and everything mm-hmm. going on in, in The Matrix. You just know he's going to turn bad. Yeah. Or did he? That's what you have to ask yourself. If it was me, I'd just be like, eh, go on, I'll have the steak. <laughs> It did look like a good steak. Yeah, it's like, this this real world is a fucking dump. It is. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so they, they then decide to get on a bus and um, they're leaving. They're going, we're going to follow our heart. But you can't because you haven't got one. Burn. Yeah, and then the clothes and Rose McGowan's left there going, what did I do kind of look. Yes. Because she's obviously stupid. She's obviously stupid. She's very stupid. And, um, you know, she's all saying stuff like, um, she's telling um, bald person on the other end of the phone that she loves him as well. And she's overheard by Gordon, who is buying the worst chocolate bar imaginable, the Butterfinger. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you're going to play somebody for a chump, you got to be a bit smarter than that. <laughs> what, doing it around the corner from where the uh, people are? Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it, it made for a convenient plot point, so... Yeah. Well, yeah. Shakespearean, almost. Well, distantly. Very distantly. <clears throat> Shakespeare had the thing of people overhearing stuff. Yeah, but then Shakespeare also had the thing of people um, talking... I think... It, is it a soliloquy? Where they... Um, the person walks to the end of the stage and starts talking at the audience while um, the other people are just in the background, mm-hmm. not out of earshot. Is that a soliloquy? Is that what that's called? Probably. Okay. They have that. So, you know, Shakespeare, fuck him. <laughs> I hate Shakespeare. I'm surprised you don't hate Shakespeare being married to an English teacher. Yeah, I don't mind. That <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Macbeth's all right as well, I guess. Yeah. And I, like, I like that one with the uh, where it goes a bit nutty with the fairies and shit. Midsummer Night's Dream, that's oh, all right. No, that's just irritating. <laughs> it's just, yeah, Puck's just a little twat in it. It's brilliant. Yeah. They all are, right? No. Much ado about now, that's all right. Oh, sure. Anyway, <laughs> back to this. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, Timon of Athens is shit. Yes. And... Uh, yeah. This is too much culture for our listeners, John. Some of them are American. That's why I had to talk about Butterfingers, <laughs> so that they can disagree with me. Ah. You know, if it's got butter in it, the Americans will just sort of lap it up anyway. It won't even touch the sides of their mouths. They'll just go, ah, butter! Oh, and <laughs> eat it. Why is that? Because they're fat. You bastard. <laughs> that's, that's both of our listeners shaking their heads. Uh, this bloody film, where are we? Um, yeah, he's um, Gordy's feeling a bit disillusioned by everything and decides that he can't follow his dreams anymore. He's going to follow his um, dad's wishes and become a policeman officer. A very geeky one as well. His dad seems to 
be some sort of... Um, you ever see Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? Yes. And you've got um, Will Ferrell. Wish, as, I, wish I hadn't. But... Yeah. You've got Will Ferrell as this um, animal expert officer type person. Don't remember. No, he's just like a really geeky cop person. Right. And this person in this film, this policeman, with his gun and his badge and his big wide-brimmed hat and everything, who gives these people a badge? Don't know. He just doesn't seem like he's police material. Well, I've been watching uh, Making of a Murderer this week, and he does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're all evil. Especially that bloody Lieutenant oh. Link. Or... You, you, were, you were watching Netflix and chilling, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it by yourself, so you went and you watched Netflix and had a wank? <laughs> no, no, I was watching it with the wife. <laughs> Too and... much information. And then we went to bed and went to sleep. <laughs> After a nice uh, glass of warm milk. Well, she had Horlicks. <laughs> oh. I, I had a hot chocolate, so... <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so the um, they they go... Is this where they go back to the... Arena, yeah. Or is it? Or is this the bit where he tries to reconcile? No, this is the bit where he tries to reconcile with his family. Yes, actually. because he goes back to basics. Yeah. So he goes back to his uh, estranged wife. She kicks him in the nuts. She kicks him in the nuts again. Yeah. And then he sees his son, and he makes a funny growling noise. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. And um, does he see his parents? Oh no, he just sends them tickets later on. Yeah. And they, they go. They go. And he's um, a bit of a local hero there in this inbred little part of Georgia, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, a bit like um, a bit like Jake the Snake <laughs> or um, Apollo Crews from inbred parts of Georgia, but probably local heroes. They go to the match. This is the main event of the film. Yep. And it has Mike Tanay and Tony Schiavone on commentary, talking over the film. And it was really low in the mix, so you could barely hear what they were saying. You had Michael Buffer saying the name of the <clears> film. He said, let's get ready to rumble. You had um, Sean, who was dressed in a red sort of pimp suit. What was that about? Why was he wearing that? Because he was his manager. Yeah, but Gordy wasn't there, which is a shame. Because he was uh, busy becoming a policeman officer. Yeah, very studiously, mm. you know, cut to him at his desk doing studious studying like a like a student. Because it's WCW, it wasn't just a steel cage match. It wasn't two steel cages. Yeah. Three steel cages. One with a, with a dangling belt as well. Yeah, one on top of the other. <laughs> Brilliant. So the they were named cage number one, cage number two. Cage number three. A cage ladder match, John. Yeah. <laughs> well, we watched the other day, we watched um, a straight jacket steel cage match, a WCW one, between Booker T and Scott Steiner. <laughs> yeah. And that was rubbish. <laughs> yes, it was. Was that around this point? I don't know. See, it seemed to be. You ever wonder how WCW lasted as long as it did? Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the fact that they were part of a massive TV company that could just keep them afloat with cash helped. Yeah, so they have the the main event. Yeah, Krong is run down to the ring. It's just like it. It did remind me of a TNA main event circa 2010, where it was just running, 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 just loads of. Uh... Well, I'd say probably a little bit after 2010, after the. 10, 10, 10 stuff. Okay, yeah. 
A bit like aces and eights. Yeah. <laughs> God. That That's... actually happened, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was the best thing that ever happened in wrestling. Aces and eights. Aces and eights. Yes. Because aces and eights, two pairs in a game of poker, is known as the dead man's hand. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think I might be the only person who got it, being a poker player, but, you know, I'm sure maybe three other people in America might have got it. So they had the match. Yep. And it was very silly. Yep. There were lots of people being kicked with ladders and... Chairs and God knows what else. Everything under the sun. And um, Krong is breaking to the ring yeah. and all that happens. And then what happens, John? Then it gets amazing. Does it? Gordy comes down to the ring in, a in his police uniform yeah. on his motorbike and he um, goes... He and um, goes through the cage on his motorbike. And his dad happens to be watching at that moment. Well, his um, his his dad's policeman friends are watching, and they're all um, skinny little geeky blokes who are cheering. And dad is, um, oh, you're watching wrestling. And my son used to like that sort of crap. Your son is that sort of thing. I think they might have yeah. said they might as well have. And um, goodness me, he basically starts jizzing in his pants, saying. <laughs> <laughs> and long story short, because it's just going on and on this fucking film. Do you know what I liked? Do you know what I liked? I liked the bit where they got to the top, they got to the third level of the cage. Oh, and then DDP was um, the and champion. The, no, and then the cage broke and they fell through. And they had to start again. <laughs> had to go to the first bloody level again. Ugh. It's a bit like, um, remember... Playing Streets of Rage when you was a kid, and you get all the way to level 10, you get up to the big boss, and he says, do you want to join me? And you say no, and the trap door opens, and you go all the way back to level 6. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. Should have said yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, you're a baddie. So then they have to go do it again, and then he wins. Yes, um, at that point... Um, Sting helps. Sting helps. Goldberg helps. For some reason, um, Sting, he um, he hugs one, uh, one of them, saying it's all right to love another man. I think Sting's um, overtly Christian personality kicks in here because he um, decides to um, punch him when he says that. Yeah. And then the other one says, oh, hit me, hit me, and um, does... Yeah. So there we go. Sting just being a Christian, um, being a, a, um, a. He should have turned the other cheek, not punched the other cheek. Well, he's. Way. Nice pun there, John. Being a. Thank you. He's the worst type of Christian, though. He's the bong again Christian, which the ones who are a lot more militant about things. And he. Um, yeah. You say something gay to him and. Yeah, you can probably say whatever you want to him, but you go down the gay road and that's it. You're boned. But then, yeah, they end up back on top of the cage. DDP ends up going back through the cage, leaving um, Jimmy King all alone to collect the bell and claim his million dollars. Yeah, and he does. And he does. And that's the end of the film, pretty much. Some celebration. Oh, 
Rose McGowan gets clunked with the ladders as well. Yeah, that's her come up and that's that's her storyline. Yeah, when she's knocked out, she looks um, she actually looks deceased because she's uh, head back, head in funny position, eyes wide open, and mouth open, and she looks like they've murdered her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it was America. Death's funny over there. So this film, John. This film, Colin. This film. Oh, there's a hilarious blooper reel at the end as well. Which you turned off. Which I turned off because, um, according to the Wikipedia notes, the end credits feature outtakes of Kicks to the Groin. Okay. Oh, actually, the end of the film, um, at the start you see an obnoxious shopkeeper. And for some reason, at the end of the film... They send um, Bill Goldberg in to throw him out of the window. And then they get into a Hummer and drive off. Bullies, John, that's what they are. Wrestlers in these in these films and these days, they're always portrayed as bullies. Mm. I remember that terrible match on Monday Night Raw a few years maybe, ago. Maybe that guy had been uh, pirating DVDs from PCW. Maybe. The sent him around. <laughs> I remember a couple the, of years ago... Chris Masters on him. Monday Night Raw... They, for no reason, had a match of John Cena versus Michael Cole. John Cena, the babyface, fighting Michael Cole, who is not a wrestler, probably weighs literally half as much as John Cena. I put John Cena, what, about 250? Mm-hmm. Michael Cole, maybe about 150 pounds. It looks like he weighs about... Looks like he weighs no more than 11 stone. Oh, he's got a big tummy. Has he? He's got quite okay. the gut on him. Well, fair enough, but either way, he's not as tall as John Cena, he's not as mus- muscular as John Cena. Not as trained. Not as trained as John Cena. And uh, John Cena proceeds to kick the crap out of him and pour barbecue sauce on him. They always do this, they always make wrestlers beating up smaller people, smaller, weaker people, and say, ha ha, it's funny because they're small and the wrestlers are big and they can beat people up. Bullies, John. <laughs> That's all they are. <laughs> wrestlers are bullies, they're bad people. That's what these films tell us. That's what wrestling tells us. Yeah. You're looking forward to that wrestling show tonight that we're going yeah, to Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, yeah. um, sorry, are you looking forward to that wrestling match that we're going to um, ten days before this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the wonder of uh, time travel. <laughs> yeah. So, final thoughts then on this... Seven. On this film... <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the Bristol stool chart out, Colin. Seven, you say? Seven, absolutely. It's the, I can't. I can't even play. It's uh, the shittiest shit I've ever. I can't even play seen. Devil's Advocate on this. I can't even. It's turn worse around than the go. Cleveland show. Yeah, because at least the Cleveland show <clears throat> was twenty minutes long, and um, Rick Flair in that saved part of it because I like that bit where he says "kangoo." Yeah, and did a vertical suplex for me. <laughs> That that bit, you know, made it funny for ten seconds. Yeah. This so, film didn't this film was an hour and forty six minutes long and it didn't have ten seconds worth of humour in it. There was that line about Michael Bolton. That line that lasted for probably four seconds. Yeah. And that was in in the entire film which was, you know, over an hour and three quarters. And there was Rose McGowan a little bit, occasionally, looking good. 
That makes the film watchable, but you could do that with the sound off. This is true. But that's how you watch anything with Rose McCown. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, bless her, you know. <laughs> Not much of an actress, but uh, yeah. But she's got a lovely pair of acting talents. <laughs> no, no, Colin. But this film was god awful. Reel yourself in. I am, um, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of WWE studio films and they've not done anything this bad. We, we, you say that, we've we've still got the chaperone. Well, we've still got the chaperone. We, you know, we did that one for our Christmas show, whatever it was called. Um, the When Wrestlers at Christmas special. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and um, Santa's Little Helper. Santa's Little Helper. Yeah. And, you know... Getting the stool chat out of that, not the Yule chat, because we're doing it retrospectively. I would give that a nice three. It was shit, but it was watchable shit. Yeah. This was completely unwatchable. Yeah. It was awful. And I just cannot say anything good about it. Yeah, I I, I agree. It was bad. Too bad for um, every... Just... It was... Ah. No, I I can't even go there. It was just... (laughs) I don't know where to start because, like, it's it was just the structure of it. It's like, I think I've said said this before, that, like, stuff happening isn't a plot. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And there wasn't really a plot in this. It was... And, it, like, as soon as... It, it's when you start asking questions of, of literally your first why on any plot point. Well, why? It unravels. Yeah. Because you go, well, why does he want to go back? Uh, why? Why would he... Why would this promoter agree to this? Uh, uh, why did this happen? Uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's no follow-through on any any of the points in the story, and it's just it was bad. I remember saying about ten minutes into this film that I'm saying that I thought that the Bristol stool chart might not even do it justice. <laughs> I mean, what, what it's just got me thinking is maybe if you could put an extra one on the chart, which is... Um, which is the seven, which has that been digested twice, <laughs> and it still wouldn't. It still wouldn't do it. Oh. it no, this is um, the worst thing I've seen since yeah. we've been doing these. So, podcasts. so would so would this be like a? Um, now here we go. It'd be a seven mixed with two girls, one cup. I've never seen two girls, one. Cup. I've never seen. I know either. of it, but yeah. I think I think that's to do with. Uh, Drinking poo and okay, so it'd be the drinking of the poo and vomiting it out, and no, it'd be the drinking of the poo, swallowing it and pooing it out again. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, or well, letting it just go through the colon and uh... come all the way out again. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Now... I think I think we might lose some subscribers after this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame us. Don't don't shoot the messengers. We're alienating Christians and Americans and people who... Yeah, but um, they're going to be like one and the same as them, so... Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. Um, but what about our Japanese audience who like scat and things like that? Well, that's up to them. That's up to them. We've, um, I think we've ticked the spandex box for them. They can think about that if they're really into whatever. So the other thing as well is the Gordy and Sean throughout, they just did lots of screaming. They were, ah, at any, like, just any opportunity to make a manly scream. Yeah. Ah! They were 
two of the most unlikable characters I've seen in films. And you know what? Because like, this is essentially just like a bit of a buddy road movie adventure thing. It's like... It's like um, but they were both the same character. Yeah. They weren't different <clears throat> characters. Like, the one difference between them was that one one was uh, had a bit of a dominating dad who was a police officer. And one had a dead dad who left him a business. Yeah. And it's like they're interchangeable. They look pretty similar. They had the same hair. They spoke the same. Their motivations were the same. It, it could have been just one character talking to himself. Yeah. Which would have been more entertaining. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If it was just one crazy guy talking to himself throughout. I mean, conversely, best buddy film I can think of is Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. I can't think of one, because that's just such a great well, film. Well, it was pretty much the the like a similar film to Dumb and Dumber in a broad kind of sense, but with all just all the charm sucked out yeah, of it. Yeah, I mean, both the characters in Dumb and Dumber were kind of... Um, they're kind of lovable in a, in a you-feel-bad-for-them sort of sense. But in this... And they're both very distinct, and you can go, yeah. well, Harry's like this, and, you know... It, it, yeah, they're both very distinct characters, and you, they're characters. These were just people reading lines. And this, the, the two in this, they were just completely charmless. So one... It sucked, Colin! The one positive... <laughs> this film sucked, thing, I hated it. It's not positive, actually, but the um, Jimmy the King, I thought, had a... A reasonable vulnerability to him. He was a washed-up wrestler, disliked by other wrestlers, and um, he was believable. Yeah. He was the only convincing thing in this film, apart from the other wrestlers who were just being wrestlers. Mm. He was um, he was believable. You, you get yourself thinking of a little bit of uh, Randy the Ram. Yeah. But other than that, nothing in the film made any sense. No, and I'm glad that we never have to watch it again. And um, I will just say, you know, fuck you. Fuck you very much to both Dave Meltzer and Sol Calval. <laughs> it's a public service. We watch this shit so you don't have to. Right, well, we might have to have that as the... Uh, over, <laughs> over the music of our intros now, Colin. <laughs> yeah. Right, well... Oh, have you got anything you want to add? I think you've... we've No, I'm burnt out. Yeah, Cool. Well, um, we're on Twitter, at WWA Podcast. Follow us on there. And if you tell your friends about the podcast, that'd be lovely. So please do that. And if you've got any suggestions for things to watch that are better than this, please suggest them. That'd be nice. We'd like to watch something good. So until next time, toodle-pip. Bye. Bye.